This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you're listening to the Math Step Back Podcast. TK. I like this, TK. I like that. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam. I spaz like Dallas, set out on rapping. God, if Lucas shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fit a gap on your team head. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Step Back, a Mavs podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, remember, guys, if, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Dalton underscore Trig. Uh, Matt is at Matt Galatson. And if you want to follow the pod account itself, it's at StepBackMavs. So be sure to follow us there. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. All that good stuff. And... Uh, Matt and I, we, <laughs> we we wanted to start out this pod by letting you guys know again that we do have a Patreon account set up, but uh, we're, we're not going to do like Brian the Scout did over the, the long Memorial <laughs> Memorial Day weekend break. And, you know, if you, if you guys want to help us out and, you know, become a, a patron for us, that's great. If not, you know, there's no pressure there. We're not going to do like like Mr. Brian the Scout did and, you know, jump into your DMs and ask you to either give us money or, or we'll unfollow or no, we'll ask you to unfollow us is what he did. <laughs> so like I said, just pay me money or I block you. Right, right. <laughs> he was basically saying, give me money or I will, I will block you. Or really before that, he was saying, you either give me money in the next 24 hours or you can stop following me. <laughs> it was the weirdest, the weirdest stuff. I, I actually took, it's a great way to get a following. <laughs> I, I took, uh, I took about three days over the extended weekend and, uh, got away from it. I, I went to orange beach and it was much needed vacation. And, I stayed off of Twitter for the most part, but uh, when all that stuff started blowing up, I, I couldn't help but you know watch from a distance, and I was just amazed at what was happening. I, <laughs> I've never seen anything quite like that. So it was some very high quality entertainment, but I'm I'm, I'm glad we're past it. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> Twitter's a very a very entertaining <laughs> place. Sometimes that guy is out of his mind. You know, he he. After that, he wrote like a seemed like an eight thousand word manifesto on why he was you know right and doing what he was doing. And it's just like, man, <laughs> you're just making yourself look more crazy. Um, and I and obviously you know. we don't you know obviously we don't know who 
who has what burner accounts or anything like that, but there was that there was that one account that just kept coming to his defense, and he kept putting out these long paragraphs, uh, you know, defending the guy. And the the way he wrote was so similar to how the Brian person is it Oringer Brian Oringer? I don't know how to pronounce it. Doesn't I really think matter. it is, he's, but he's, he's a nobody. <laughs> but any anyway, I you know it was so similar to how he was talking in those other other tweets to people. It was. It was so funny because you you were so sure that that was a that was a burner account that he had made to to come to his defense. But anyway, we won't we won't keep harping on this. But I, I thought it was. Well, I actually just wanted to say one other thing. It is pretty easy to spot a burner account. <laughs> so if you have a burner account and you don't think that people know it's your burner account, they probably know that it's your burner account and they're just being nice and not telling you. So be careful. Well, <laughs> well, some people these days they've gotten so so tedious about it, and so you know they follow their cover their tracks rather you know so well. It that's really the only way you can you can point it out with some people is just by you know the way they the way they talk or the way they normally type out stuff, and you can sometimes form a pattern that way. But yeah, like I said, guys, just. Uh, you can follow both Matt and I on Twitter. You can follow the uh, the Step Back account at Step Back Mavs and like, rate, like, rate, and subscribe. And then we do have that Patreon account set up too. But and we're the, not going to uh, harass you like Brian does. So the, the, the Patreon <laughs> is uh, just www.patreon.com/stepbackmavs. But so Matt, we're we're just going to jump right into it uh, a little bit later. We're going to. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals, which is starting tonight. By the time this this podcast hits your ears, it will probably already be underway. But we're going to, you know, kind of preview that and give our our predictions for the series and and all that good stuff. But first, uh, we're going to start out talking about the uh, the hot topic here, and that's Clint Capella. Uh, uh, the other day, or yesterday, rather. Our guy Mike Fisher, uh, he put out a an article that said that uh, a source had told DallasBasketball.com that the Rockets had started the process of making uh, for sale phone calls. And Clint Capella, according to Woj, and Woj put that you know pretty much everybody on that Houston roster was was gettable except for maybe maybe James Harden. Uh, so that includes Clint Capella. And then also, you know, Fish, one of his other sources said that, uh, you know, the Mavs really like the idea of pairing Kristaps uh, Porzingis with Clint Capella in that front court. So what are your initial thoughts on that, Matt? I mean, I know obviously it's doable financially, uh, uh, but, you know, un- unless unless the Rockets are just completely – you know, selling Capella. And they, the only way I can see that happening, you know, Capella going to the Mavs, is if the Rockets are simply just trying to clear that, that salary off of their books. You know, maybe maybe they know that they have a shot at, at a big-time free agent like Kevin Durant or maybe hometown guy Jimmy Butler, you know, Something like that that they're they're thinking. Okay, we need to shed some salary and we need to do it quickly. 
because uh, I mean, right now, if they're going to try to do something before free agency, the Mavs are pretty much the only team out there that can just absorb Capella without sending any salary back in return. Uh, I know that. I mean, to me, that's crazy to even think of the Rockets doing something like that. You know, because Capella, I really like Capella. He's a good player. Uh, I think he's on a really, you know, team-friendly deal for what he provides. Uh, but, you know, like I said, if if they know they're getting another free agent, a big-time free agent, and they need to clear the money off, maybe it's one of those, like, the Mavs got lucky kind of deals. Because, you know, he they can absorb him with that huge trade exception they've got. You can't pair players with it, but it's to my understanding you can pair picks with it. So, you know, they could give the Rockets the number 37 pick in this year's draft and uh, maybe another future second or something like that. But just, Matt, initial thoughts here. What, what, what do you think about the idea of Capella in Dallas? I absolutely love it. I mean, obviously he's not necessarily a perfect, you know, free agent grab, like, you know, the, the, big, the big name that everybody wants necessarily right off the bat. Um, but as far as the way he fits in Dallas, I mean, I said this the other day on Twitter, if, if Rick Carlisle could create a center in a lab specifically to fit his team, it would be pretty damn near close to Clint Capella. Um, I don't think there's really any debate about that. Right. I mean, he, he fits the mold for what, you know, over the... Over the last number of years, what the Mavs have looked for in a center, he he fits that mold. Like we we know what the Mavs want in a center. We know what Rick Carlisle wants in a center, uh, in his system. Yeah, and you know who who do you think is the best center in the history of the Dallas Mavericks? It's a pretty short list. Is I mean, I'm biased. I say Tyson. But you know, I am kind of biased. I think I think you have to put Tarpley in there, even though he was, you know, that was that was a short-lived ordeal there. If he if he had uh, if he had stuck he, around, he was definitely the most talented. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely the most talented uh, center. But yeah, I think as far as the best center in franchise history, uh, okay, well, let, let's 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 say in the last twenty-five years. <laughs> We'll make it easier. I mean, I've got to, I've still got to say Tyson just because, and I know he benefited a lot from playing with, you know, Dirk going Super Saiyan mode in, <laughs> in the 2011 playoffs. And then uh, he benefited from that, his uh, one of the best offenses in the league, his second go around with Monte Ellis and, and that group. So. I mean, he he's had some some good teams around him. His two stints, short stints in Dallas, but I still think he's probably you know the best center in Mavs history. Yes, I don't think it's really close, um, at least in the last twenty five years. So along that line of thinking, Clint Capella is everything that Tyson Chandler was times a hundred percent. I mean, he he is literally better at everything that Tyson Chandler was, you know, when he was in Dallas next to Dirk. Uh, In their, if you look at their stats from each of their respective, the best years of their career, uh, Clint Capella was actually this past year, 
Um, 16.6 points, 12.7 boards, 1.5 blocks, um, 1.4 assists. You know, he hit uh, 64% from the field, um, 65% from two. I mean, it's the same. He didn't shoot any threes. So it's 64.8%, whatever. Yeah. Um, and Tyson Chandler, you know, uh, 11.8 points, 11.7 rebounds, 1.1 blocks, one assist, 62% from the four. So not so, so not quite one hundred percent better than Tyson, but, but, I, I, but I get your what point. I'm say, what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, he's better at everything. Yeah, that, that's what I mean by that. You know, he's not doubling his stats, but he's better at everything. He turned the ball over less, um, all of it. So, and he was even a better free throw shooter. And that and that's the thing is, people people were saying, you know, Tyson Chandler. I mean, Clint Capella, you know, terrible free throw shooter. He shot sixty four percent this year, which is the best of his career. And he keeps getting better. I and, hate to say you know, it, but that was you know, for a, for a good for a good stretch of games. That sixty four percent was probably better than what Luca was shooting at, at certain points during the season. So, right, I, I'll I'll and, take that from a big guy. And look what they did with DeAndre Jordan. You know, he was right eighty percent free throw shooter for at the beginning of last year. You know, it whittled down to about seventy, but still, you know, it was a major improvement. Yeah, and I mean, look, I completely, we we talked about this earlier, I completely understand why some people want every position on the Mavs to be able to shoot threes. I understand wanting as much space as possible, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can say Clint Capella would be a bad fit in Dallas just because he's the same height as Porzingis, because I mean they're 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 two completely different different players. Uh, you, you know you've got Porzingis who can stretch the floor. Both guys are plus defenders in my opinion. Well, let me take that back. Porzingis he's not really a a great defender overall, but he's a good rim protector. And then Clint Capella, he can block shots, but he's you know better as far as defending off the pick and roll and stuff like that. So uh, to me, it's kind of like, and, and I mean I'm I'm not comparing Porzingis to Dirk, but I mean obviously there's some similarities in their games. But I mean if you look at that Dirk and Tyson combo, you can see how there's some similarities there with with Porzingis and Capella and when you put that you know when you put one and one together you can see why the Mavs would be interested in making that happen so I mean I think it could work I get the 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 want to add as much three-point shooting as possible but to me you can do that with your other other starting positions and you know you can have a guy like Clint Capella as your anchor uh, at center. So that's my thoughts on it. I could see them running stuff like like I was talking about earlier with Golden State. You know, sometimes they'll send, you know, two guys. Uh, they'll, they'll do a double screen or something. And, you know, you could do that with Porzingis and Capella. Capella could roll to the rim. Porzingis could pop out for three. Uh, and then you just trust Luca. He can either score himself, uh, dish it to Porzingis or give it to Capella to finish at the rim. So, I mean, I, I could see it working out really well for the Mavs. Now, I mean, this isn't – I don't think this is a likely thing to happen. But, you know, for the Rockets, as Fish has reported, to be contacting the Mavs about a Capella trade, 
we obviously have something that Houston wants. So whether that's just cap space, <laughs> whether that's just cap space and a pick or, or, you know, maybe one of the younger guys like Justin Jackson or Brunson or, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I just know that if, if Houston is contacting Dallas, then they obviously want something. So that makes me think that a deal like this is possible. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with your with your comparison to to Dirk and Tyson with Capella and and uh, and KP, and then you have you know Luca in there as the Steve Nash, and that's everything the Mavericks have ever wanted <laughs> for the last twenty years. I mean, it's it's right there, and right. I, I get I get the hesitation with you know the two bigs, and you know nobody plays that way anymore. It's like, well, okay, that's fair, but. You know, you look at what just happened in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, everybody on the Bucks can shoot threes. If you count, you know, Brooke Lopez is one of the best three-point shooters in the league now, and he's their starting center. And they just got beat, you know. And uh, Toronto always has Gasol and Gasol and or um, what's a guy from Oklahoma – used to be in Oklahoma City. I can't remember his name right now. Ibaka. Uh, Ibaka, yes, Ibaka. I always yeah. get him in – and then they also have Siakam out there, who's a granted he's pretty much a do it all guy, but you know every even you know Golden State does it too. They have a non shooting big out there all the time, whether it's you know uh, Bogut or Kevon Looney or 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 Bell or whatever. So it's not I don't I don't think that necessarily having five guys that all can shoot threes is really a realistic possibility. There's not that many teams that can do that, you know. And the thing about the the Capella, um, KP, Dirk, Tyson comparison is, you know, <laughs> Capella and, and KP are both wildly more athletic than those those two were when they won a championship than Dirk and, and Tyson were. You know, maybe yeah. not when, when Tyson was at in his prime. You know, I'm not saying that, but when those two won the championship – this this is a much that would be a much more dynamic athletic pairing that can do a lot more things in a lot more areas. So yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I, look, look, I and I mean, I I agree that it's it's a more athletic pairing and everything. I do want I do want to make sure we don't complete because I mean, at the time when when they won the won the title, you know, Dirk he was. It's really hard to put into words just how amazing he was. You know, during that during that season, during that that postseason, uh, so I mean, we don't necessarily know if Porzingis has that in him. I mean, judging by the last time he was on the basketball court when he was playing in the regular season, he, I mean, he has a little bit of that in him. He, he's he's bound to be a superstar if he can stay healthy, uh, but we just haven't we haven't really gotten a chance to see if he can do the same kind of things in the postseason like that like that Dirk and Tyson uh right. combo did. But I, I get I get exactly where you're coming yeah, from and I agree con- with it. Conceptually it's the same idea is all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Um and, and look another you know, they've they've got Luca in there so that's that's all the if you need something special to happen, maybe that's who you go to. But Yeah, and I, I saw something earlier I I I would say who I saw talk about it but I, I really can't remember but somebody put something out there saying that there was like a fear that uh 
Capella was already in his best situation, you know, playing with James Harden. Well, I mean, how many times throughout this season have we seen, and I mean, you did it, you were the first one to do it last summer. You compared Luka's game to Harden. And we had, then then ESPN, and like, there were at least two more places I saw that uh, compared Luka's game to, to James Harden. And... To me, I mean, it, it it would be pretty much the same situation, in my opinion. I mean, it's not like he's going to go to a to a place that isn't going to utilize him. If if anything, I think it would be even better because of how Rick Carlisle likes to use his centers versus how Mike D'Antoni uh, historically uses his. So, I mean, that that's just my opinion on it. I actually think it would be a better situation for him in Dallas than what he's currently in in Houston. Yeah, and Luca doesn't shoot nearly as much <laughs> as Harden does. Yeah, and you know, obviously, like you just said, Rick Carl- Carlisle's system is a lot more well suited to a center like Capella than D'Antoni's three-point heavy system. But I mean, how many times just watching Houston have you seen things get bogged down, and you know they have to make a play, and and Harden just kind of throws it up towards the rim, and Capella comes out of nowhere and grabs it and throws it down. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a big asset to have, and the Mavs don't really have that they they wanted that last year in deandre jordan it didn't work out exactly the way they wanted it to um it started working out that way with dwight powell um i don't see him as a starter with this team if capella's capella's out there obviously but you know it's 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 the same idea it's the people who want to keep powell on the roster it's the same idea except again capella is better at everything except you know technically three-point shooting because he doesn't shoot threes but we don't want Dwight Powell shooting threes, so that's kind of a moot point. Well, and there, I I don't know about him being better at everything than Dwight Powell, except for the the three point shooting. Because I mean, Dwight Powell, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, he may not have much more than these couple few things, but I mean, the things he does well, he does at an elite level. He is. Uh, his true shooting, I mean, I, I'll have to look it up while I'm talking here, but he's improved every single year he's been in Dallas. He's one of the top uh, pick-and-roll guys in the entire league, uh, finishing lobs and everything. But, uh, you know, this past season he shot 60%, well, 59.7, so basically 60% from the field. Uh, his true shooting – or his effective field goal percentage was uh, almost 64%. I mean, he's just he's very efficient when he's out there except for when he shoots threes obviously. He he shouldn't shoot as if if we go to next season and the Mavs still have Dwight Powell on the roster and he's shooting threes like he did towards the end of this last season, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> no, I no, I totally agree. And maybe maybe Capella's not as good of a rim runner as, as Powell. That's that's a fair statement. But you know everything else, you know blocking shots. Well, yeah, yeah. Capella mounting everything. Capella is still a really. I mean, he he may not have the same numbers Dwight Powell does, but he's still a really good you know lob catcher, and he can set screens. And the thing with him is he makes up for that whatever that difference is uh, offensively with his defense. And yes, I I think like I said, if Porzingis couldn't shoot the three ball. And, you know, we just viewed him as a center, which I know a lot of people are wanting to do. And I think he can play center, but, you know, he can play either or. 
if, if Porzingis couldn't shoot the three, I would be more uh, worried about a Capella and Porzingis pairing. But I'm not worried at all about it. And I think, uh, like we've talked about before, I, I think it, it's definitely financially doable. It just depends on what the Rockets are actually wanting to do. I personally don't fully see you know why why they would want to do something like this like i said unless they have a guy already in the works and free agency they want to sign but again why would the rockets be contacting the mavs about this if they weren't interested in something the mavs have yeah um i i mean i i completely agree and you know another thing um, there, there have been a lot of people suggesting that maybe they want Dwight Powell out of the deal. Um, but I, I just, I don't understand how that would help, how that would benefit Houston at all. It's a $4 million difference in their, um, in their salaries. It's granted it's for one year as, as opposed to whatever it is, four or five with Capella. But if they're, if they're trying to make a move now, that $4 million doesn't really help them. I don't think. So, right. so what they're they're gonna want to do is either a unload Chris Paul uh, in conjunction with Capella, which would be really hard to do because that's a lot of money, <laughs> or b um, trade Capella for essentially air, which is what they would be able to do with the Mavericks, and maybe an asset or two like the thirty seventh pick. And see that that was another thing we were talking about the other day too. When we were trying, or I was trying to come up with a, with a scenario that would, you know, the the Rockets would trade Capella to the Mavs, and I was thinking like, well, I mean, if it's about cap space and they're trying to sign a max guy and they're trying to completely retool their roster, uh, going through free agency, they might be looking to, you know, attach Capella and his team friendly deal with. Chris Paul as you know with Capella being the incentive there so Chris Paul is on a horrible contract he's gonna be 36 years old making 44 million in 2022 I believe uh, so <laughs> yeah so I mean it's that's a really bad I mean he's still got he's still got some uh he's still got a little bit left in the tank but I mean man that that's one of the worst contracts in the league right now but I mean, what would you even consider for a second taking Chris Paul to get Capella to and, you know, pretty much just uh, punting on the Giannis free agency in 2021? No. Here's my thing. Um, if if you came back and told me that that the only way you could get Capella was Chris Paul, I'd probably say, eh, I'm good, and I would just go chase Kimba and some more good players. Right. Now, there's an avenue to get, I believe there's an avenue to get Kimba and Capella, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I don't think you can realistically talk, you know, consider taking on a Chris Paul who is one of the toughest players to get along with in the league. We've seen that with Rondo and and, um, Rick Carlisle already. Uh, but besides that, you know, his body is breaking down, and the the amount of money that he's putting, that he's going to be demanding, and all of that combined with that kind of health, it's just it scares me to death. So um, I, I I would punt on that a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and like like you just mentioned there, we 
We, we've kind of started kicking the tires on this, too. If they were able to, you know, get Capella, like I said, if the Mavs are involved, I just, I have a feeling that something would happen before free agency. Because I, you know, if the Rockets, if they want to go after a big time free agent from day one, I mean, I guess you could do something after July 1st, but you would much rather have that space available instead of, you know, agreeing to a deal with a free agent and then, oh, no, we can't find somebody to offload our salaries onto. So, to me, if the Capella thing happens, it's going to happen before July 1st. It's probably going to happen around uh, the NBA draft. But if that happens... And we t- we briefly have talked about this, but Matt, just go through some ways that you know the Mavs could possibly still squeeze Kimba in there along with Capella. Well, obviously you have to you have to get rid of the Courtney Lee contract first and foremost. Um, you know, one way we discussed doing that is by shipping it to Cleveland in exchange for J.R. Smith. And then waving J.R. Smith, um, or, yes. trade, or finding another way to trade it for air, add a couple of second round picks if you have to, just to and find a team who's willing to take that on, who's not going to be chasing free agents. Yeah, and I, just, before before you continue with that, I just want to clarify to everybody listening: the J.R. Smith thing. There was a lot of confusion when when uh, when Fish uh, put that idea of for about trading for J.R. Smith in one of his pieces. I think it was last week, but. The thing with J.R. Smith, he only has a $1 million guarantee for this upcoming season. So they could trade for J.R. Smith, waive him, and only have a cap hit of $1 million. So, whereas, you're, like. You're getting $11.5 million off that. Right. So instead of Courtney Lee, instead of Courtney Lee, you know, if you waive him right now, you still have a cap hit of like $4 million, I think. So it would actually be to the Mavs' advantage to do something like that and waive J.R. Smith. It's not like they're taking on <laughs> J.R. Smith and hoping he's going to, you know, be a, a bench contributor or something like that at that at that price he's at. So just yeah, wanted no, no, to clarify no. that. Not not at all. Um but another thing, you know, that they also would probably have to find a way to um, get off of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s salary. Maybe, I mean, obviously, which it'd be very is diff- tough. That's gonna be it would be tough it to would do. be very tough. But again, if you could find a team, it doesn't have to be the whole nineteen million. If you could get off of Courtney Lee, that already gets you really close to the max. So maybe you find a team where we talked about a, a, a cap friendly deal earlier in the week. And that thing that fish wrote, maybe it's not the whole thing. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. You, you, you find a guy who's instead of earning what Hardaway is making, which is 19 million a year right now, you find that you find someone who's making, I don't know. What do we say? 14 or 15 million. Yeah, and, may, make, and maybe he, and maybe maybe this person has like a an extra year on the contract on their contract versus what Hardaway has. You know, something something like that that would that would uh, make a team consider taking on Hardaway. Uh, even obviously nobody's not nobody's going to just take Hardaway into their cap space. I mean that's that's dreaming at this point. I mean that that would never happen, but. 
Uh, I mean, I, I could see that, you know, trading for a guy that's making less money than Hardaway, maybe has another year on his deal uh, to open and, up and it, the... It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a couple million dollars, you know, three, four, maybe five if you if you get lucky. But that gives you enough space to go out there and, and sign a max contract, which would get you Kimball Walker, for example. Yeah. yeah and I mean... And then, you know, you could still go out and you still have the mid-level exception to go get someone like Patrick Beverly. So there's still a lot of things you can do there. Yeah, and, and look, Fish Fish said it on our on the last time he came on the pod that uh, Kimba is still, you know, just, just going out and signing Kimba outright with the cap space they have now. Uh, well, they'd actually have to wave Courtney Lee or they'd have to make one more minor move to get full max space. But anyway, that's, that's the smoothest way to go about this. Um, there's a lot of different scenarios, you know, getting Kimba and Capella would be amazing, but you know, getting Kimba just by himself would already be a huge win. And, you know, that's the easiest path to, to getting your, uh, your third star on the Mavs. But, uh, guys, we're we're gonna take a break from this. We've uh, we've talked about this Capella stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll probably continue to do that as we get closer to the draft and uh, as we get more info, you know, coming from Houston and what they're looking to do. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then Matt and I we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about uh, the NBA Finals and some other Mavs topics. So stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, everybody. Uh, Matt and I, we're going to move on to another uh, scenario here. We, we've already talked about uh, Clint Capella and, you know, that whole situation. And at the end there, we talked about, you know, uh, potentially pairing Kimball Walker with Capella, even though that might be getting into the, uh, the pipe dreamy type of area. But anyway, say that they, say the Mavs don't, land Kimball Walker and say nothing comes of this Clint Capella stuff no no trades happen before free you know they just they go into free agency exactly how they are right now uh Matt and I I've, I've got this piece that's that's coming out on DallasBasketball.com uh tomorrow but my plan B for the Mavs the the more I've thought about it and, you know, there's so many different possibilities, so many different players they could pair together with that uh, that $30 million in cap space or more if they create more space. The pairing for me that I would really look into is Patrick Beverly and Boyan Bogdanovich because both guys are 30 years old. So, and again, I, I go into more detail in, in the piece that's coming out, but... I look at it like with Philadelphia and J.J. Reddick. You know, year before last, he signed a one-year loaded deal uh, worth $23 million. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you give either one of Beverly and Bogdanovich $23 million. But the next year, you know, he came back and uh, J.J. Reddick did and signed a one-year $12 million deal. So that is, what, $35 million over two years. So let's say that you take that total, 
with both of these guys, Beverly and Bogdanovich. $35 million and you split it, let's say... Let's say 17 or 18 million for Bogdanovich and like 14 or 15 million for Beverly. So to me, that's overpaying for Beverly. And it's overpaying for Bogdanovich a little bit too. But if you can get them to do that on a two year, both of them do it on two year deals. And, you know, so both will be coming off the books for 2021. Uh, you're adding two high-quality starters. They both shoot f- over 40% from three. Uh, Beverly is a pesk defensively. Uh, Bogdanovich, in my opinion, I think he's a little bit of an underrated defender. He's not a great defender, but I don't think he's a scrub. Uh, he's six foot eight. Uh, he, you know, he can he can pass the ball if asked to. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That that's kind of where I'm at. I could see. I could see a starting lineup of Patrick Beverly, uh, Luca Bogdanovich, Dwight Powell, and Kristaps Porzingis being a force uh, offensively. And Matt, I'm just, I want to get your thoughts on this too. I, I I don't know. I just I've had this and I, I've labeled it Plan B. You know, Fish. He's talked about Plan K uh, all throughout the summer, and he'll you know continue to do that until. Kimba and Chris Milton are completely dead uh, ideas, but that's my plan B. And, I mean, when I was doing that, I I didn't do that intentionally (laughs) because of their last names. It just kind of worked out that way. But what do you think about that, pairing Beverly with uh, Bogdanovich? Uh, I really like it. It it gives you a lot of things that that you need. Um, You know, as you mentioned, they're both great shooters. you know, Beverly does just about everything you want defensively. Uh, Bogdanovich is, um, you know, one of my favorite players that's on the market right now just because of his ability to shoot and the way he would be able to fit in with, um, you know, Luka and, and another guard because we know, you know, Rick Carlisle likes a lot of playmakers on the floor. So having a guy like that out there, you know, a la Doug McDermott um, would be excellent. Yeah. So, um you know, I, I think it would be great. It's it's not it's not the flashy, um, the flashy big home run summer that you know a lot of people are envisioning with uh, Kimba or Clay or Kyrie or any of the other playing K guys, Chris Middleton. But it's still a very successful haul, and you're a much better team. And you know you can you can move forward with a lot of flexibility from there. Yeah, and I, let me clarify what I said a little bit earlier about if you if you're looking at the stats, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich he only averages two assists per game. But you know, watching watching the the Pacers, I probably watched about eight to ten Pacers games this year on NBA League Pass, and uh, he has the ability to share the ball his averages aren't there but I mean that's that's mainly because he he's spending the majority of his time shooting (laughs) shooting three-pointers at a 42.5 percent clip uh but he's he's there it's not like a like a Harrison Barnes type situation where he has tunnel vision and he just doesn't ever pass the ball it's just it's a different situation with him he's he would be more of like a spot-up three-point shooter. But he's also really durable. Uh, you know, over the last two seasons, he's played around 31 minutes per game. 
he only missed two games last season and one game this past season. So, uh, really durable. Uh, he upped his scoring from 14 a game to 18 a game this year. Uh, percentages up across the board. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I could just see from what I've read, uh, you know, from the Indy Star and some other Pacers publications, it seems like anything above that 15 to 16 year, uh, 16 million per year range, uh, you could possibly steal Bogdanovich from Indiana. Now, I say steal because I really probably shouldn't say that because he's an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants to. But what I mean by that is I don't know if Indiana would be willing to pay him more than than that amount per year. So. I think that's doable. I think you could fit Beverly and Bogdanovich within that $30 million in cap space that the Mavs have right now. And then, obviously, you could do some things with Courtney Lee. And uh, depending on what Powell does, you could still have even more cap room to add to your depth from there. So, I really like it. That's my new you know, plan B that I'm, I'm sticking with and I'm going to be rooting for if the Kimba stuff doesn't pan out. No, yeah, I think that's a really realistic, you know, bar to set. Um, I especially like the idea of getting Beverly. You know, even if you have to pay, pay more than the uh, the MLE, it's um, it's worth it to me just because of all the things that he brings that the Mavericks need. Um, he's the perfect guy to go off ball from Luca and still, you know, that that kind of combo ish guard. Obviously, he's more of a point guard than a than a two, but you know, it really, it really wouldn't make that much of a difference to me. Um, I think he's perfect fit. Um, obviously Bill Duffy is a big help there. So let me, I don't, I don't see any problems with it. Let me, let me do something here and just, just bear with me, but player, well, I'll say, I'll just go ahead. It, it, the first player is going to be Bogdanovich, obviously. So he averages 18 points a game. Uh, four rebounds, two assists. He shoots 49.7, so almost 50% from the field, almost 43% from three, uh, and he's 29 years old. Now, this next player that I'm going to mention averages the same amount of points, 18 points a game, six rebounds, four assists. He shoots 44% from the field instead of 50 and 38% from three instead of 42, and he's two years younger. So, I mean, which, which one of those players, uh, and, and let's say the second player is probably going to get max money. So, I mean, with those stats, I'm, I mean, who would you rather have, Bogdanovich or player two? God, I hate when you do this. Um <laughs> <laughs> Who's the second guy? Is it Chris Middleton? It's Chris Middleton. Yes. Oh, I'm pretty good at this. Um, <laughs> you have you we we've we've been doing this too long. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting pretty good at it. Uh, no, I I think I'd have Middleton. I'd take Middleton. Um, and here's why. Um, I think he does. I think he's more versatile, and I think he is a, obviously a better defender. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know. Um. If we're just talking about money for production, um, I don't have any any sort of problem with Bogdanovich at all. I think that's a great idea. Um, we'll see. It, to leaves you, it leaves you more to do 
if you if you sign Bogdanovich and then you have more, you know, you can sign more players and you know have a deeper, more, you know, um, you know, cohesive team, I guess. Yeah. But but Middleton's a great player. There's a reason he was an All Star. Um, and it's you know it's tough, but I would still take Middleton in that scenario. For the money, for the money difference. I mean, I. Even if it was, even if you paid Boyan Bogdanovich up towards, you know, getting close to twenty million dollars a year, I would still rather prefer that if it's on a shorter deal uh, than you know paying Chris Middleton max money for four years because, and I think Chris Middleton is a great player. I th- I think he's really good. I enjoy watching him play. I enjoyed watching him play in the playoffs, except for that last series against Toronto. He he really struggled. Uh, but for the money difference and for the years difference that I think you could get Bogdanovich for, I would take Bogdanovich. And I mean, like you said, Middleton's a better defender. But I mean, I'm looking at the advanced stats now. Uh, I mean, it's it's not too far off. I mean, he's obviously a better defender, but it's not too too far off. And then Bogdanovich, you know, if you're going by offensive rating and uh, offensive plus bo- offensive box plus minus, sorry, if you're going by all that stuff, I mean, by all those metrics, Bogdanovich is a better offensive player than Middleton. So. I mean, I just think it depends on what you want. We've talked about this in previous pods. At this point, I mean, you don't want to, I don't know, you don't want to completely throw defense out the window, but as we as we joke about sometimes, defense is a little bit overrated right now. Let's just let's get all the buckets we can. All right. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not – the same thing that it used to be, but you got to be able to stop people. At, well, I know, mean, that's why I'm pairing. Counts. Look, that, that's why I'm pairing Beverly with Bogdanovich in this scenario. No, I, no, I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying the whole idea of defense is overrated. I think is a little bit. Um, well, asinine. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we just. I, I just joke about it mainly, but I, I, I would like to, you know, if the Mavs end up where they're scoring 125 plus a game. And even if other teams are scoring 122 or 23, I mean, I, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> it's definitely fun. You know, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, you watch, you watch the playoffs and you see what Golden State can do defensively, and it's just like, well, that's kind of nice to have. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, and again, guys, that that piece that I wrote is coming out on DallasBasketball.com. Uh, got a lot more stuff in there. I've got a Giannis Antetokounmpo angle that you know I'm sure people that don't like the uh, the pipe dreaming type things they'll probably groan at it, but I really don't care. I'm gonna dream. <laughs> so you you guys enjoy that. Uh, let me know what you think on Twitter and. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the closer we get to free agency, the more we're going to be putting out these pieces on, on people we'd like to see sign with the Mavs. But, uh, Matt, we'll, we'll move on from that. We're going to do a, a brief NBA Finals preview. Uh, again, the, the Warriors and the Raptors, they're about to get underway. They they will have already 
been underway by the time you listen to this, you know, for game one. But uh, it's really interesting to me because the last time Kawhi Leonard saw the Warriors in the playoffs, he was on the Spurs, and he had, you know, the Warriors, uh, was it Zaza Pachulia that gave him the cheap shot that knocked him out? Well, yeah, Zaza shit, man. <laughs> so I he had, he had him on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I said this. I I'll tweeted. Say, I'll say this real quick before before I let you go. This Toronto team is better than that San Antonio team. Oh go yeah, ahead. absolutely, absolutely. And, and and Kawhi, in my opinion, he's he's better than he was. Uh, the last time he played the Spurs, which is saying something because he was already a, a Finals MVP and he was already already really freaking good. Uh, but he's just really upped it to a whole another level this uh, this postseason. And I don't know. It's like I tweeted out earlier today. My head is telling me that the Warriors are going to win this series in six games, but my gut is telling me Kawhi is going to get his revenge and the Raptors are going to win in seven. And I think it definitely helps their case that Kevin Durant is probably out for these first two games. He's definitely out for game one. He's not playing in game one. He might be out for game two. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I could see Toronto ending this Warriors dynasty. What do you think? Man, I thought I was going to be the one coming out with the crazy hot takes, but <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I think the Warriors, I know that they're still really, really, really freaking good. But without Kevin Durant, um, you know, without you know, we know Boogie's active, but how much is he really going to play? Yeah. Um, without those guys, they're they're more vulnerable now than they have been in the last you know few years. And this is the most complete team that they will have faced. You know, I know it's not it's not the one man LeBron show. This is actually a real basketball team that they're going to be facing in the finals. And I know they have the experience, and I know Toronto's never been there before. Um, well, look, and I, look, I was I was just about to say this, but Toronto, they yeah, they haven't been there before. But, again, Kawhi has. He's been there. He's won a finals MVP with San oh, Antonio. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Danny Green was right there along with him in San Antonio, and he was playing so well in one of those series against the Heat one year that he was in the finals MVP discussion before, uh, you know, Kawhi eventually took over later in that series. So, I mean, they've Ibaka's got... has been in the finals. Yeah. Um, Mark Gasol hasn't, but he's one of the most, you know, he's one of the, the best veteran players you could ask to, ask to have in this kind of a situation. Right. So, I, I think they've got a really good shot. I, I It's, it's kind of like... I really don't know how to describe it, but I just have this feeling. It's like this new, this new energy. It's like it's almost like when, um, it, man, I don't know. I I don't really know how to describe it, but it's like I just I, have this this weird feeling about Toronto that they're just like they're ready for it. I'll I'll say this. I think Pascal Siakam is going to be the X factor in this series. I don't think he can afford to get off to a start. Uh, like he did in the Milwaukee series, um, you know, because they they quickly, uh, or no, maybe I'm thinking of the the Philadelphia series. He actually played uh, pretty well in that Toronto series, I believe. I may be getting those mixed up, but anyway, I do think he's going to be the X factor. 
his length is just crazy. He's he's probably going to win the most improved player award this year. Uh, so I, I I think he's going to end up being your X factor. And you know Toronto they they have to come out of the gate swinging in game one. I I just don't see them. I don't see them going down. Uh, zero games to two and then going to uh, Golden State and having any hopes of making a series out of it. So they, no, they, they, they have to come out and they have to, they have to hold home court, especially, especially with Kevin Durant out, you know, you, yes. these, I, I'm not going to say they're that the, both of these first two games at home are must win, but they've, they've absolutely got to get game one tonight in my opinion. So, I think every home game is a must-win for them because I don't I don't think they're going to win in in Golden State. I mean, maybe they will, but I think I if, think if they you have can. Four chances to play. I mean, their their playoff atmosphere during these playoffs has been unreal. So I just think they need to take full advantage of that and not let anything slip away at home. Yeah, I mean, and look, let's be real here. If the Raptors really want to dethrone the Warriors, they need to have Drake come to the stadium with a Steph Curry jersey on every single game you know sitting half court (laughs) (laughs) he's wearing a Curry jersey he is wearing a Curry jersey it's just a Raptors Curry jersey (laughs) wait what yeah he's wearing a Toronto Raptors jersey but it says Curry on the back I I, I, have either of them (sighs) ever played for the Raptors no, I think he's trying to get cute with his jinxing there. I don't I don't think that's going to work, Drake. I think you're going to have to actually wear <laughs> a Golden State Warriors Curry jersey or Durant or, or something like that. No, no, no. Del Curry played for the Raptors. Oh, He played okay. for the Raptors from 99 to 2002. Holy well, shit. Oh, that's, sorry, everybody. That's before, um, that's before my viewing time, so. Hey, I was, I was 14, so. Uh, I, I should have remembered this. <laughs> well, regardless, that's not going to work for him. He's got to wear the other team's apparel if 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 the jinx is going to, you know, go into full effect. But I still think it's funny that he's wearing a Del Curry jersey. I think that is <laughs> I think that is hysterical. He I, is he is a I major Drake's troll. Music. I love Drake's music. I think he. I mean, he's easily one of my top two or three favorite uh, musical artists. But my God, man, he is been obnoxious in the playoffs and he's like he's the one thing where i'm just like maybe i do want golden state to win but yeah. no nah, I, I can't I, I'm, I'm toronto all the way yeah well it's definitely gonna it should be a fun series it's got the potential to be a really great one uh, i think golden state is more vulnerable than than they have been in previous years and Kawhi is on such a hot streak in these playoffs, and he's played so well against uh, Golden State in the past that I, I don't know. I, I just really feel like they have a fighting chance. So uh, we'll see how Game One goes. We'll see how the rest of the series goes, and then you know after it's over, we can shift all of our focus to the draft that will be you know shortly after the finals, and then free agency a week after that. But uh, it's getting close, Matt. We're getting very close to some exciting things happening this summer. And uh, to all the listeners out there, we're going to be with you every step of the way, bringing you the best Mavs content we possibly can. So uh, that's going to do it for another episode of the Step Back, guys. We really appreciate you get, uh, coming on here and listening every week. Matt, you have anything to add before we take off? 
Uh, not really. I mean, we've just got some good uh, some good content coming up on DallasBasketball.com. Um, you know, we, we're working real hard over there. Um, and uh, don't forget to, you know, if you, if you feel like it, check out our Patreon account, like we said earlier. But, you know, other than that, um, just like, rate, and subscribe. And, you know, tell your friends about the podcast. We can keep doing this for you. Yeah, and uh, if, if any of you guys listen on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you would, if you'd go and give us a review on there, that would be really helpful. Uh, we've already got, uh, I believe it's 25 or 26 that uh, you guys have gone on there and given us a review. And uh, if any more of you listen on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. And we thank you in advance for uh, doing that for us. So, uh, again, guys, we appreciate it. We hope you enjoy the finals. We hope you have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you next week. The master best on the flow. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the goat. This game get cold. Yeah, you might need a coach. Your friends turn into your foe. But I'ma just roll. Gotta keep rolling your boat. Yeah, I swear I give them hope. I say I'm cleaner than the soap. This time of year proves who are really sick of float. For yeah, real. it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. Yeah, it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. You know, in this game, it's a lot of grit. You know what I'm saying? Proves who has integrity. Late nights, early mornings, but we all want the trophy at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of this game, because at the end of the day, only the real going to float, man, for real. You either sink or you float, only the real going to float. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.